one of my favorite exercises, like regardless of whether your goal is for weight management or maybe just to actually up your calorie intake is Mm -hmm. if you temporarily track your food intake, let's say for like Mm -hmm. three or five days without changing anything about your diet, just simply, you know, get a calorie tracker. Um, One of my favorites is Chronometer. They have an app and a website. The most okay. popular one's probably MyFitnessPal. You guys might have heard about it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, if you just input your you know, food intake, what I find for a lot of people is that, number one, you're more aware of like how much calories you're actually eating. Number two is through that process of just, just tracking, a lot of people yeah. become more um, aware and also just educated about, wow, like this has this many calories. And I didn't realize that this was this many calories. <laughs> Welcome to The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community, where members connect with experts and other long haulers to learn how to heal from the effects of post-COVID. Here's your host, Munish Joshi. Hi, everybody. I'm Munish Joshi, and I'm here with Helen. And Helen's one of our dietitians uh, within the post-COVID community. And I wanted to have this, this podcast for a long time because one of the biggest challenges that long haulers have is finding a healthy balance with getting nutrition and actually combating the side effects of, of post-COVID. So for some people, it means dramatic weight loss. For some people, it means dramatic weight gain. And one of the things that all long haulers tell me about is they miss some of those comfort foods and other types of food in their diet. And I, and Helen has done a, a variety of live classes within the community. So this is a great opportunity to talk about some of the highlights from there and looking at some of the food alternatives. So without further ado, I want to introduce Helen and Helen, I, I don't want to mangle your last name. So I'd love it if you can tell us uh, your name and you're based here in British Columbia, Canada. And, and I'd love to know a bit more about you. Yeah. Thanks, Manish. Um, so my name is Helen Tew and a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator. I'm based in, like you mentioned, Vancouver, BC. Um, mm-hmm. I have a private practice. It's mainly focused on weight loss for busy professionals. However, I have been helping out with, you know, the post-COVID community. Um, mm-hmm. Every So far right now, it's every Thursdays, I do a weekly uh, live streaming related to nutrition for post-COVID. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like about this is the fact that it is for busy professionals. And when you look at long haulers, even though they're not as busy and, and as energetic as some of the people that you're dealing with on, this, on, on your main practice, not, but the challenge is, is how do you get nutrition into your system faster and more efficiently? And I've, I, like I said, I've been a part of your live classes and seen it. And one of the biggest challenges that people have is how do you, and, and well, let's talk about, about the two things that people have. If you're overweight, and you're looking to reduce weight and you cannot exercise and because of limitations of long COVID, which is post-exertional malaise. And I, I've always heard this saying, 80% of your um, health and wellness is in the kitchen, not in the gym. Yeah. So what are the tips for somebody who's trying to lose weight? What are the nutritional things that you would recommend to them? That's a great question. I mean, with post-COVID, you know, with um, with a condition like that, mm-hmm. um, and especially with, you know, your body may not be functionally like as optimally, your nutrition needs mm-hmm. potentially may be a little bit higher than someone who's like healthy, for example. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if you're wanting to lose weight, I probably would not recommend anything drastic. So definitely no like, you know, crash diets or anything. Um, I know with like, 
certain symptoms like nausea or um, just low appetite, it may be um, tempting in a sense because you naturally may have a lower appetite, but I actually would avoid that because that can potentially hinder recovery and make it Mm -hmm. longer for you to recover from post-COVID. However, if, you know, I I would say maybe weight maintenance would probably be the best kind of, um, I guess, like weight management goal to have during post-COVID. However, if you Mm -hmm. are someone who, you know, is overweight or potentially um, you know, has more excess body fat, then I would say going with a smaller calorie deficit would probably be helpful while also mm-hmm. keeping protein intake high. Um, the protein intake is just to help to maintain muscle mass, especially mm-hmm. with a condition like post-COVID that may be more um, catabolic in nature. You know what? You make a great point. It's not It's not just about, uh, yeah, don't, don't put yourself in a crash diet situation. You have to stay healthy first. And and really, all great weight loss plans that maintain a healthy weight is about incrementally lowering the calorie intake. And you've done a great job in the classes talking about that and how do you increase your protein and reduce some of the bad stuff in your diet. So, you know, I know one of the things that you have said to me and seen in the things is, is meal proportion size is a huge factor here. But for um, people who are, are, are suffering from uh, post-COVID, it's not like they're abnormally hungry. They're just more sedentary. So when it's tough to get in those calories, what are the options or what would you recommend to somebody? Yeah, great question. I definitely do notice that for some people when they're more sedentary, um, especially mm-hmm. with post-COVID with like nausea, low appetite, I mean, just being sedentary, people may naturally have a lower appetite because they're naturally not expending as many calories. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of getting your calorie intake up, I would say one of my main suggestions would be a liquid calories. So things like smoothies is a really good one, even like protein shakes, or if you have to, even those um, prepackaged kind of nutritional supplements, things like Boost or Ensure are really popular brands. Mm -hmm. The reason is because liquid calories are, um, they're basically, you know, a lot more processed. They're a lot more like pre-digested versus imagine eating like a smoothie in the solid, in the solid form. That's going to be a lot more time, a lot more chewing, um, probably not stuff you want to do. It's a lot more, it's a lot more whole form. So your body will have to digest it versus liquid calories is pre-digested. It'll, um, your body's going to digest it a lot quicker. You'll get the energy in your system a lot quicker as well. And honestly, with a smoothie, you can literally make like an 800 calorie smoothie. If, if getting calories in your body is an issue, um, usually what I recommend is, you know, adding in a lot of like healthy fats, things like nut butters or avocados. Mm -hmm. Those are like high calorie and they're still healthy. It's just like, Mm -hmm. um, high calorie density, and you can even add in, say, like full fat milk if you need to, or um, even like a high protein type of milk, like ultra filtered milk. And then even um, getting your screens in there by adding in, say, like kale or spinach, probably a scoop of protein powder, just because um, mm-hmm. usually when you have low appetite, you also eat less protein and um, even adding some fruit in there as well. So that's probably my recommendation. One of the top ones I would have. Yeah, and I've got to say, I've talked to a lot of long haulers who've, who've watched your live classes and learned from you, and, and those are fantastic tips. I know that some people just have a hard time with the texture of food, and eating chicken and doing these other things is tough. So, with, and, it, and it takes a lot of energy just to prepare it, but what's a lot quicker is to take a scoop of the protein powder, putting it into, into the, the blender, adding some ice, 
adding in some sort of liquid to, such as a, a low fat milk if weight loss is part of your your, your goal here um, and if weight gain is part of your goal then something with a little bit more fat but a healthy fat where possible is also good but you can control how much protein you're putting in there and you can control how much water you're putting in there to keep hydrated and that and these folks who've who've done this have said wow what a difference it's more palatable probably because of temperature and just texture as well and you have energy on the go so if you can take a sip here and there. And as you said, it's pre-digested or it's just easier to digest because there's less energy chewing it. There's less energy preparing it. And and you can prepare a batch of this stuff on hand. It's just, just great, great tips all around. Um, I do want to say you, you brought up in one of your classes something that was just fantastic, for, which was how many calories are you actually eating in some of the, the meals? And I think you gave the one example of uh, if you if your goal is to get to a certain amount of calories to boost your, your weight and to maintain healthy weight, you may be eating broccoli. But broccoli has so many calories per crown versus, and I think it was cauliflower. I don't remember what you had said in there, but um, can you give us some of those tips as well? Yeah. Um, so I think you're mentioning, like you're talking about the concept of calorie density, which is basically... Mm -hmm like how much calories a certain volume of food provides. So one of my favorite examples is exactly what you said, like a cup of broccoli has 30 calories, which is pretty little, like a cup is around the size of your fists or like a measuring cup amount. Mm -hmm. Whereas a cup of cooked rice has about 210 calories, which is, you know, seven times the amount for like the same amount of volume. So Theoretically, you could eat seven cups of broccoli for the same amount of calories as a cup of rice. Not that any, anyone would ever do that, but you know, if your goal is weight management, then um, potentially you know upping the veggies would be helpful. Whereas if your goal, if you struggle to get enough food intake, then I would choose you, you know think for example the rice would be the better option in this um, example. But even um, choosing like higher calorie density foods, things like I would say nut butters, like one tablespoon, which is thumb size has 90 calories, um, adding more oil to your cooking. One tablespoon of cooking oil has 120 calories. Um, yeah, those are the ones that come to my mind. Oh, another one. <laughs> this one even surprised me as a dietitian, but can you guess how much calories one cup of almonds has? One cup of almonds. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say, so that's 250 ml roughly. I'd say um, 150 calories. Um, probably that times six, I think, really? <laughs> but it, yeah, a couple of almonds has about 827 calories, which was a huge shocker oh. even for me. So I think, um, basically as you could see oils, you know, nut butters and nuts, these are all mm -hmm. fat sources and they tend to be higher calorie just because, um, fats tend to be more calorie dense. And one of my favorite exercises, like regardless of whether your goal is for weight management or maybe just to actually up your calorie intake is mm -hmm. if you temporarily track your food intake, let's say for like mm -hmm. three or five days without changing anything about your diet, just simply, you know, get a calorie tracker. Um, one of my favorites is Chronometer. They have an app and a website. The most mm -hmm. popular one's probably MyFitnessPal. You guys might've heard about it. Yeah. But um, if you just input your, you know, food intake, what I find for a lot of people is that number one, you're more aware of like how much calories you're actually eating. Number two is through that process of just, just tracking a lot of people yeah. become more um, aware and also just educated about, wow, like this has this many calories. And I didn't realize that this was this many calories. <laughs> 
That's that's interesting. And you brought up something else, uh, oils. I always see, and, and fats, I'll, I'll ask you about too, but oils in general, there's, there's grapeseed oil, there's avocado oil, there's canola oil, there's olive oil and, and, um, and sunflower oil. There's a lot of common oils that you can get at your grocery store, even the big box stores. Um, for somebody who's looking to, is there a healthier oil versus a non-healthy oil? And is there a oil that's better for frying and not frying? Yeah, great question. I would say definitely, usually the oil I recommend is basically any oil except for coconut or palm. <laughs> the really? reason is okay. because, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know coconut oil has gone a lot of kind of media attention and research shows that there seem to be some weight loss benefits from eating coconut oil, which is you know good if your goal is weight management. However, um, coconut oil is actually quite high in saturated fat, which is considered the less healthy type that raises our cholesterol yeah. level, which is not good for heart health. So usually, even if your goal is weight loss, um, I never actually recommend coconut oil. I would rather you, you know, eat in a calorie deficit, you know, healthy behaviors, et cetera, and rely on that for weight loss versus doing it at the expense of your cholesterol and heart health potentially. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of all the other oils, they are ones I recommend. It could be canola, olive, grapeseed, um, avocado, Honestly, mm -hmm. even sesame, like any of the other ones are fair game, but you're right, Manish, that there definitely are um, certain oils that have like a higher smoking point that may be better yeah. suited towards like higher temperature cookings. Whereas mm -hmm. if you heat one that's like a made for like a lower temperature um, mm -hmm. cooking, then it may not be as healthy for you in the long run. Interesting. I, I got to say, I, I've, um, and I'm going to ask you about fats because it's, it's part of it as well, is... Um, I don't deep fry at all. I know that deep frying is not necessarily a healthier thing to do. It's for some people that they just like, it's a comfort food for them. So I like using an air fryer and I find the air fryer cuts out a lot of the, that sort of fat. And there's, and, and there's, I have a confection oven with an air fryer built in. So you just add a drop of it underneath and it does feel you can, you can make, you can, you can better simulate, um, of the frying experience with that. Um, so I just want to put that out there to long haulers because when we eat fried foods, it tends not to agree well for long haulers. And then what are the good fats versus the, the bad fats? And what and where's the, where's there a more of a concentration of one versus the other, if that, if that makes sense? Yeah, great question. And um, if you, any of you guys are tuning in live, I actually did a training just today. So I do it every Thursday at 9, um, 9 a.m., sorry, 8 a.m. PST, 11 a.m. EST. And yeah. it kind of goes over, you know, proteins, carbs, and fats, and just overall healthy eating, um, at least for today. And there's recordings as well in the community if you wanted to refer to that. But mm -hmm. um, in terms of healthy versus less healthy fats, there definitely is a distinction. I would say the healthier ones would be more, more plant-based, unsaturated fats. So mm -hmm. these actually help to reduce your cholesterol and it's good for your heart health. Um, these are so, again, mainly plant-based. Mm -hmm. So avocado oil would fall into that class in that, but if yeah. you have a, 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 like a bacon fat would obviously be on the other side of that spectrum. Yeah, exactly. So on the other side, it would be more of the animal based, um, saturated fats. So these tend to raise cholesterol. These are things like red meats, butter, mm -hmm. uh, lard, mm, coconut oil, like I mentioned, um, any like red processed meats like salami and pepperoni, whereas mm -hmm. basically the healthier ones would be pretty much anything else plant-based, things like nuts, nut butters, seeds, avocados, olives, and then again, any oil, cooking oil, except mm -hmm. for coconut or palm. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And, you know, we're going to ask you a little bit about, um, about food alternatives. I know that, uh, um, you know, we miss our pastas and, uh, uh, and, you know, pasta and the reason why pasta tends not to agree with the long haulers because it's very high in histamine and not just that it's also very high. It's very acidic uh, 90% of the time. So if you were to, and, and I know in, I'm married to an Italian, so I can at least tell you what we do. Um, my, my Italian wife says, you know, you go the other spectrum where you start to use cream sauces. And, uh, if you put too much cream in the dairy may not agree with you, or it's just higher in fat, not the good fat, not in yeah. that sense as well. So we needed something in between. So our go-to has been uh, oil, uh, usually something like a, an olive oil, but there's different quality and grades, one that's a little bit more earthy, one that's a little bit more fragrant, and then we just add different herbs and stuff and thicken the sauce with actually um, uh, mushrooms and other things that, that, that we like. Do you have any tips on sauces or things that one might use that I haven't mentioned here, or you, you go with the one I mentioned? Yeah, to be honest, I think your tip is awesome. Like oils are, I would say, as long as it's not coconut oil, of course, but any oil I think is probably the most like, you know, it's going to be the most natural type of dressing. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, like herbs and spices are great for like antioxidants. It's just a natural kind of flavor. Um, Whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of those like packaged, you know, canned pasta sauces, they are, they would they would also be higher histamine because it's been on the shelf for quite a while. Whereas if you make it fresh or, you know, like you said, that oil kind of herb um, mixture, that would be a lot mm-hmm. lower histamine and also just a lot healthier in general because um, the ones can, they're going to be a lot higher in sodium, um, probably sugars as well and preservatives. So honestly, I think you gave probably like the best um, pasta dressing that I would recommend is just like a simple oil and herb based one. And, you know, just in layman's terms for people who aren't familiar with low histamine and, and what that means, it's basically an inflammatory response. Your body uh, feels like it's under attack. It's treating food as a foreign thing. So it releases histamine to go deal with it. Now, the easiest way to think about this is the, the fresher you eat, the lower the histamine level. So the less like you're going to have an upset stomach. And that's why if you have oil and fresh herbs in there, as opposed to powdered dried herbs, you're going to see a different response. So just try this sort of stuff. And the other tip that I've learned, and I, I've actually learned it from you and other fo- folks is just that, you know, where do you get this protein from? And sometimes it's ch- making better choices in the pasta that we use. Pasta's processed. And it takes it does sit on the shelf, but there are uh, pastas made from chickpea powder. There are pastas made from lentils, and you just have to take a good look at the at the um, uh, the what's in there. And one of the tips that I got from a dietitian, I'm not sure if it was you or or, or something else, was that look, if it's if the expiry date is coming up soon, that's probably been sitting around on the shelf for a long time. But if you had an expiry date that's way out there in the future, it's probably uh, processed or made a little bit more recently. So looking at the dates of prepackaged stuff can give you a, a guide as to what to look at. Such a good so, point. <laughs> yeah. And one of the other comfort foods that people like is, is uh, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a victim of this stuff here, is I like chocolate. Everyone likes chocolate to some degree. Now, uh, I know that people have asked you about this this question before. Um, dark chocolate is it better than milk chocolate? And is there and there's always seventy percent coca, uh, eighty five, ninety. What's a better thing to have? Or what's what's yeah, your go to um, thing? Because I, I I'm not sure if it's better necessarily. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's so funny, Manish. My go-to, it really depends. Sometimes I get dark mm -hmm. chocolate, but sometimes um, I'm a big advocate of that 80-20 rule of just like a balance in life. I, I get milk mm -hmm. chocolate. I just get a typical, sometimes literally a chocolate bar or just like milk chocolate chips. But I would say um, in terms of what would be healthiest, I definitely would say dark chocolate. Um, ideally, if it's something you enjoy, but again, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of just regular milk chocolate once in a while in moderation. Mm -hmm. It's just that basically, um, I usually recommend like more than 70% cocoa because it's higher antioxidants and it's mm -hmm. uh, higher fiber as well, actually. And it's a lot lower mm -hmm. sugar compared to your regular commercial, you know, milk chocolate. Um, you're right. There's different like percentages. I usually just recommend 70% plus, but there's literally like 90, 95, 99%. I think past like the 90% for some people, they find it quite bitter. So it really just depends mm -hmm. on what your taste preference is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that's kind of fun. Uh, uh, and this is something that I learned from a chef friend of mine. He, um, he did a wine, cheese and chocolate day. And cheeses are not something that 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 um, people should usually have, especially in in the long haul. I think because it's aged and it's it's higher in histamine. But I'll modify what what he what he did for us is um, instead of having uh, raspberry uh, chocolate, dark chocolate, which is a great mix, and blueberry dark chocolate, because the blueberries and the raspberries are likely aged and older, dehydrated, so they're higher in histamine. So what he did was he said, "I've got some chocolate." He took shaved chocolate put it in on top of the shaved dark chocolate on top of a bowl of blueberries. And he just added a little bit of honey to it to make it stick together. And it was so good. I never, I haven't tasted that sort of texture. He said, do this. One other thing too, is he said with the shaved chocolate, it just tasted different for some reason. And he said, chew it slowly. So it has a chance for the food the, the, to touch all parts of the tongue. So you can get the savory parts, the saltier parts, and you'll appreciate the food a bit more. Um, I want to share that tip out with everybody because, you know, we talk about taking in stuff, but we don't talk about how to enjoy food and our tongue. And I'm not sure, uh, Helen, uh, what you know about the tongue and stuff, but if you ever gone to a wine tasting, they always tell you, I think the, the tip of the tongue is where the sweet is, the sides are where the bitterness is, and the back is where the sour is. So depending on how you consume something, your, your receptors respond to it a bit differently, but how should we chew food? How, what's the, what's the right way to, to consume things? Blending makes it easier, but is there a, any tips around that? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say if you're someone who wants to maybe, yeah, like enjoy food more and truly mm -hmm. taste the food, because I don't know about you, Manish, but honestly, even for myself, sometimes I sit down at a meal and I like, I like inhale it. <laughs> it's Same gone here. in a couple yeah. seconds. Yeah. It's like, we're in such a go, go, go busy world. And I find that, um, yeah, like when we do that, it's like, we may feel physically full, but like mentally, we may not, we may not even have taken the time to actually enjoy it. So I think you touch upon some really good principles of mindful eating. If you guys even want to mm -hmm. look up that term, um, some yeah. people call it meditation while you're, you know, eating yeah. that may be a bit dramatic, but I think the main tip for that is really just trying to slow down. If you're someone who wants to um, maybe eat less or feel more full because it also takes our, like our brain, you know, 15, 20 minutes to actually register that we're full. Um, if you find yourself mm -hmm. maybe overeating or just like not, um, if you tend to inhale food, then I would say my biggest tip is to try to slow down your meal when you're eating. So mm -hmm. um, some practical tips would be even literally like putting your, your utensil down between every bite rather than like yeah. holding the fork in your hand. That makes a difference. Oh, huge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I got to um, say that that's yeah. what I personally do is I take the fork and I always put it down because, and I try not to reload it because I'm, I'm, I'm already playing the next bite, but I put it down and I put my hands away from the plate and I eat it. And when I do it that way, I tend to lose more weight. I don't consume as much. And that's really why. Yeah. It's just a yeah. habit that I, I have to practice, but once you, some people may look at me and say, what are you doing? It's kind of a weird quirk, but from time to time, I'll, I'll definitely do it until somebody stares at me and say, well, that guy, but just food That's for amazing. thought. Literally. Yeah. I find that when people do this, they do tend to eat more kind of intuitively, like more in tune with their fullness mm-hmm. and hunger cues. And they do tend to lose more weight just because they do tend to eat less when you're kind of enjoying your food more. Um, but a couple other tips I want to quickly insert in there are Please. you can, for example, chew like a certain number of times, let's say, 10 like make a vow like oh i'll chew this meat this bite 10 times before swallowing it and another one would be in addition to like counting you could even choose slower so mm-hmm. this will require a bit more kind of mental effort and just like that consciousness to um try to slow down your eating and while you're mm-hmm. doing that you know practicing some tips of mindfulness things like um really trying to consciously notice, you know, what are the different aromas or what are the different like tastes in my mouth? Mm. What are the different textures, even like the sound that the food, the crunch that the food is making in your mouth. So um, it's a lot of kind of, it's a practice that I think requires a bit more consciousness, but I think it can pay off dividends if you do, even if you do it maybe once or twice a week. Yeah, we don't have to rush so much. And I got to tell you, it's, it's a, such a good feeling when you do slow it down. And, and mindfulness reading is something that I think is just just incredible, where you take the pause and as you're chewing slower, you notice things in that meal that you didn't always notice. And that's what I always find fascinating. Um, I was going to kind of drill you with a couple of other things here. I know that people are who, who have long haulers have some challenges with gluten. That's fairly common. So, but again, going back to some of the food alternatives, you know, pizza is something that we all love. So there are gluten-free um, uh, crusts that you can buy in the store that are pre-packaged. That's great to use. Some of them come with sauces, but I'd say disregard the sauce because those are not, those are high in histamine and they're not as good and they're heavily processed as, as you've identified earlier. Um, but there are two different types of, of uh, uh, pizza crusts that are out there. There's the ones that are made from cauliflower. And then there's the ones that are made from like a rice flour or almond flour, some sort of blend, even with tapioca. Um, one of the two there, um, the ones that are made with with a, a dried out flour um, or flour alternative and one that's made from just a vegetable type base, which one would you recommend or go with? Yeah, um, I would probably go with cauliflower. That's historically the mm-hmm. one I've gone with just because I believe in the cauliflower crust, I believe they do add some fats if I'm, if I recall yeah, correctly to kind of bind it so it may not mm-hmm. be the lowest calorie which is kind of counterintuitive because people think oh cauliflower that's what i thought at first at least until mm-hmm. i looked at the nutrition facts for like a cauliflower pizza but i would say cauliflower just because um it, it's going to have more fiber probably a bit more like vitamins and minerals versus i think you mentioned like the starch the tapioca or the flour one the um, rice flour yeah rice flour yeah just because like rice flour. It, it, I mean, they're both gluten-free, which is great, whichever one you enjoy, to be honest. But um, mm-hmm. rice flour is going to be a bit more, mm, this is kind of higher level, but like higher glycemic index, which means it might spike yes. your blood sugars a bit quicker because um, there's not a lot of fiber in that. It's more mm-hmm. processed and broken down versus cauliflower. So mm-hmm. that's what I would choose personally. And I know another comfort food that people like in a food alternative is it, it breakfasts are are, um, you know, 
some people just love the cereals. Cereals are fun sometimes, but I actually know uh, for myself, oatmeal, I actually find quite comforting when I add stuff to it. I won't tell you what I add. Actually, I'll tell you the, the two things I add. I do, I do like to add blueberries, but fresh blueberries to it. And it sweetens it up for me, but it's also about texture because that texture is just kind of, it's not always the funnest texture to make it unless you know how to make it al dente. Um, so I'll put blueberries in there and I stay away from broad dried foods because they tend to be a little bit higher in sugar, but for fun, I'll add in just a little bit of maple syrup now. And that's also a Canadian thing to do. Um, uh, but what would you, what would you recommend for somebody who just needs something a little bit more fun in the morning? Or would you agree with that sort of option? Yeah. Um, I think oatmeal is one that you can do. You can do like hot or even overnight oats where mm -hmm. actually, um, I think a fun thing to insert in here is that, um, what I like to do personally when I eat oatmeal is I'll actually stir mm -hmm. in like half a scoop of protein powder just because mm -hmm. it gives you a protein boost. And for me, um, I love chocolate. So I get chocolate protein powder. I mix it in and it just makes it like really sweet. It even tastes like like has a chocolate aroma. It's so good. Um, you're right. I would add in some fruits. Um, what I like to do is you can even add in, you're right, like some honey or maple syrup. Or what I like to do is I'm just a bit more health conscious, but I'll actually add in like sugar-free syrup. So I get a bit of the taste, nice. maybe not quite so the real thing, but um, these things do exist. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in terms of cereal, um, there's actually different, I mean, alternatives are like higher fiber, lower sugar. You can definitely um, use and similar thing. I actually do add in like protein powder in that too, to make it uh, tasty and chocolatey. <laughs> That's just me. Actually, you brought up a very good point. It's, you know, yeah. for those who are on, on low histamine diets or, you know, it's not that you, you, you don't have to be histamine free. You just have to be histamine conscious. So you, you're aware of how much you take in. If you go histamine heavy in the morning, go histamine light dur during the rest of the day. And that way you're not triggering any sort of response. But um, my daughter will, because she has a tough time with some of these proteins, when she makes a pancake, because she likes a pancake, she does have a sugar-free, um, I, I, don't, I don't even know what's in the alternative uh, version of it. She will take a pancake mix and she'll put in a scoop of pancake mix, and then she'll put in the protein powder. So, and so she does exactly what you're describing here. And I know that she adds some other binder to it. It's usually just an egg and some milk, and it works perfectly, but it took time to find the right mixture and that's one thing i think we all have to understand and learn there's not a recipe necessarily that works you can still use ingredients that you use for the rest of the house it's just you have to make an adjustment for uh for the long hauler in the family um and now just you know rather than prepping stuff fruit on the go is a great way to get some sugars that you need and stuff are there any things that you don't have to prep you mentioned nuts and nut butter is easy to take a scoop of here and there but is there and what do you spread nut butter on that would be a good alternative for folks yeah, um, I would say you could put nut butter on many things, things like uh, mm -hmm. even carrots, celery sticks, uh, toast, mm. or, you know, gluten, um, even if a gluten-free alternative would be like a rice cracker or rice cakes. Um, mm -hmm. You could put nut butter in oatmeal as well, overnight oats, um, in cereal, in a smoothie, mm -hmm. mm, literally in baking. There's tons of things you could put, you can make, yeah, there's a lot of things you could put nut butter on. Even... I don't want to say, but like from the jar, I, I, I'll admit I do that sometimes too, but I would just watch the portion size because just remember that yeah, yeah. a thumb size is around 90 calories. It may be good or bad depending on your situation, but. Mm -hmm. Put the whole thumb in there and use that and there you go. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. The, um, 
The other comfort food that people ask about is we like to watch movies. We like to watch shows or even sporting events. So chips. And I know that um, there are some really cool chips that are out there, not necessarily low in histamine, but um, there are some alternatives to having like a, a fried potato chip. There are baked chips and there are baked chips with um, um, other types of flavoring on it. So not ketchup, but um, uh, I know that I've had like a tortilla chip. It's a corn-based chip. So you take corn-based chip and you dip it in some sort of sauce. And, and I think that might actually work well with one of the nut butters. Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try some of that. Um, so I, now the desserts. Fresh fruit, I think, is always best. Um, there is, you, you know, there's and even just the simplest thing. I've chilled fruits and I've never realized like having a chilled grape. It's actually pretty tasty stuff. And I did, I had that with a, a chilled, um, uh, slice of, uh, oh my God, uh, pineapple and, uh, a wedge of pineapple, some fruits and berries. And it was just chilled. It was in the cup and it was put in the freezer for like 10 minutes. And then when it came out, just shaved chocolate, dark chocolate on it. And again, a little bit of honey to help. It was, it was really, really good. Um, so, good. so yeah. Any other ideas uh, from your end there? Uh, uh, mm. Helen, I, I want to make good use of your time here. Yeah. Um, in terms of like healthy dessert options. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, wow, I, I sound like a huge proponent of p- protein powder, but uh, one of my favorites is actually I'll get like plain Greek yogurt and then I'll mm-hmm. stir in like half a scoop of, you know, chocolate protein oh, powder and then so I'll mix it in. Yeah. And it's like, if it just becomes sweet and chocolatey. And then if you want, you can add like fresh food, nuts and seeds, or again, a bit of mm. like honey on top. And it's just, it's really good. It's because in the Greek yogurt is very thick. So yeah. it's like kind of creamy. Um, but there's, uh, you know, there's so much out there, honestly, like there's different baked goods. Like if you, if you bake, there's a lot of like healthy alternatives uh, out there that are, uh, for example, if weight management is something you're looking for, like lower calorie, or there's yeah. even a website that I, I, I look at sometimes it's called proteinchef.co and it has a bunch of like, nice. um, lean, protein powder, low calorie uh, recipes. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's all that comes to my mind. Um, if you're, if you're someone who likes ice cream, for example, uh, there's a lot, usually at the store, there's usually like a lot of like portion controlled, like calorie, um, for example, like 100, you know, calorie bars out there. I would just, Mm -hmm. Benny Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs are great, but they are very high calorie. So (laughs) maybe once in a while. Mm -hmm. Actually, remind me of something else. Some of the prepackaged kits that are that have food alternatives to it, or, or sorry, healthy alternatives to it, such as the protein powders, because there are versions of pancake mix which is protein powder based, and those things are, are great to have. And for long haulers, take a look at the instructions on some of them. I know that there's a devil's food cake I've seen with this sort of alternative to it, and and uh, my my child was looking at this one here and getting out of all this baking stuff, but they actually had a microwave version of it. So you, you do all the mixing, but you just have to put it in a microwave safe dish. So you don't have to bring out a lot more It's way faster just to put it in, mix it and using electronic mixers to do everything. So the work was done. You're just adding stuff, hitting a button, pouring it into something else and putting in the microwave way less than work than greasing a pan, having to get all this other stuff, cracking eggs and whipping it. So some of these alternatives are actually a lot easier and lower energy, lower effort and energy to go and produce. So 
Helen, I want to thank you for the time here. I really do appreciate it. And I know that the long haulers do. Your classes are fantastic. A lot of people love that. You've got some great visuals. You've got a lot of good techniques that, that you've shared there. So I encourage people to come to the community, join your classes and, and watch them and learn. And, and you're always receptive to questions, which I like as well. Um, what's the most common question you get as a dietitian? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, mm -hmm. I think it really depends on the niche you work in, but for me lately, I've been working more with people who are wanting to like lose fat and build muscle. So mm -hmm. I would say it would be like, how much calories am I supposed to be eating? Like how much carbs, fats, and proteins? I would say that's probably the most common question. And I always walk them through that in my initial assessment, but it's such an individualized like answer for everyone. That's a great point. And in the community, we also have a chart there, which shows you based on your body weight that you're at today or the weight you want to go, how much protein and how much water should you have for your body. So lots of resources. And again, Helen, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Please leave your comments below and follow us online. We can be found at Long Hauler Life uh, on various social media platforms, including Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that it'll help you take a step toward leading a healthier, happier, and more productive life. Take charge of your recovery at postcovidcommunity.com, where you can learn more about membership benefits and join our newsletter to get the latest information and tips from our network of specialized healthcare professionals. And don't forget to follow us on YouTube and your favorite social platforms at Long Hauler Life. Please share this episode with other long haulers in need of assistance. Take care.